You are tuning in to the Atlanta Realtors Rundown, the official podcast for the Atlanta Realtors. We're here to keep you updated with the latest trends, topics, and keep you in the know of our ever-changing Atlanta market. We hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome back to the Atlanta Realtors Rundown, everyone. Uh, thank you so much for being here. My name is Matt LaMarche. I'm your host today for a very special episode of our podcast here. Um, today, I have with me someone that we traditionally don't get to hear too much from uh, in the real estate world, at least as it relates to the Atlanta real estate uh, market here, if you will, but certainly someone that uh, we should probably have. We could probably have you in once a month sure, <laughs> to, <why> come, <laughs> to come talk to us about uh, the economy as it relates to uh, real estate, the uh, the economic outlook of kind of what's happening in real estate in Atlanta. Uh, but Dominic, welcome. Uh, please take just a couple quick minutes, tell people who you are, kind of where you came from as far as your background, um, why you're here today to kind of share with us. All right. Th- thanks. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. My name is Dominic Proviance. I'm a subject matter expert at the Federal Reserve Bank of Atlanta. I have uh, been at the Fed for this will be my 13th year there. Um, and in and, and my capacity at the Fed, I'm primarily responsible for developing the residential real estate analytics that we use in our banking supervision function. And so we're, we're always analyzing res, residential real estate markets, looking for risk and how the, that risk may impact the banks. Um, but also more broadly, um, and responsible for outreach. And so we do events like this, um, I travel quite a, quite a bit talking about real estate, trying to expose out uh, different audiences to the Fed's perspective, but also learning a whole lot from what people are experiencing in the market. Um, my, as in terms of my background, I've been in, in Atlanta for uh, since 97. I came uh, to Atlanta, went to school at Morehouse and uh, Georgia Tech. And um, my degrees are in city and, and regional planning. Oh, okay. Nice. And I've been working in real estate for the past 20 years here in Atlanta in various different capacities. Fantastic. I love so. it. Well, no one better than for us to dig into, you know, we're, we're just coming off of uh, a very interesting market, I think is the best way to describe it, yes. maybe. <laughs> yes. Um, and and for, for everyone here, these are Dominic's views. These are his perspectives. Yes. Yes. They're not representative of the uh, Federal Reserve or anything else. Yeah. So this is just a, a very informal conversation, if you will. But um, again, kind of kind of having said that, the last two or three years has been um, abnormal yes. <laughs> and, and interesting. So um, I think a lot of us now looking back on it kind of understand how we got to where we are today. Um, kind of the movement. Obviously, no one knew a pandemic was coming, but um, I think, you know, when strange events happen. It produces strange results. Yeah. <laughs> so a lot of people coming to Atlanta um, and investing here that never would have invested here possibly in the in the past. But um, I guess give us the quick download on, you know, what did you guys see? What at the kind of federal level, if you will, specific to Atlanta, were you guys measuring? Were you looking at? Were you looking at trends? Was there anything in particular that stuck out to you guys over the last two or three years? Yeah, so I, I'll go back a little further. Uh, you know, I came to the Atlanta Fed in 2010 after um, kind of working in Atlanta real estate for several years as a as a consultant mm-hmm. and uh, working for a uh, home builder and developer. Mm-hmm. Um, and after the the 2008 recession, um, the what I've noticed uh, really it's been 
since then over the past 10 years um, is that um, interest rates have have remained relatively low um, for a variety of reasons and you know there were some you know some movements but historically speaking you know we've had relatively low interest rates mm-hmm. and so so many people refinanced their homes and uh, were, were locked in at a low rate kind of during during that period um, we still had a lot of people coming to Atlanta but not as not as much as kind of the late 90s and early 2000s mm-hmm. and so what's what's happened is uh, in addition on the new home side we built a ton of homes in the, um, in the build up to 2008 in in Atlanta and we had a whole lot of vacant developed lots and so there wasn't home building did not fully recover you know and mm-hmm. so we weren't building enough houses so the combination of a lot of people refinanced their homes were locked in at a low rate and then a whole bunch of uh, there not enough you know new home construction meant that we just didn't have enough inventory and so Going into 2019 and then and then 2020, right before the pandemic, we we were starting to see just nationally, but also in in, in Atlanta specifically, inventory levels were just very low. Mm-hmm. And if there ever was a, a spike in demand, we would see inventory get very very low, mm-hmm. and that would create some upward pressure on price. And because of that, we began to track housing affordability. Um, housing affordability is normally, uh, the reason why we look at affordability is because it's normally the leading indicator of where we are in the cycle. Mm-hmm. So when housing becomes unaffordable, then that means either people are trying to stretch to buy or eventually demand dries up and it, it is sort of the beginning of the downward slope in the cycle. And so mm-hmm. when going into 2020, inventory was low, we know that housing was affordable, um, but, um, it, uh, if there ever was sort of this spike in demand, we knew that, you know, supply levels would shrink and prices would go up, and that's what we saw mm. during during the pandemic. And part of it was the res- the the response to the pandemic was to low interest rates, um, to spike demand, and that's exactly what <laughs> what happened. But we saw just just to put in context what happened over the past few years, the the. 30-year fixed interest rate at its lowest was like 2.6 percent. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, right? <laughs> and so I, the, the, as far back as we track, we have never seen interest rates that low. <laughs> so you're talking about historic, unprecedented mm. le- uh, decline in 30-year fixed interest rate. And so, not surprisingly, that. You know, a lot of people saw an opportunity to buy and lock in at a low rate and buy buy a home that they could never afford before. And so if you're, you know, if rates dropped to from like four and a half percent to, you know, near nearly two and a half percent, then I mean, the 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 price of the house that you now can afford just goes up, you know, exponentially. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of people bought houses and yeah. a lot of people saw the, the value of their houses spike because we already started with short supply. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, when people had a, in like New York, New Jersey, some of your high cost markets, they were impacted by the pandemic. They saw an opportunity to sell cash out and they um, they came to a market like Atlanta and bought a lot of houses, yeah. and either they paid cash or they um, 
they were able to bring cash to the closing table, paying above the asking price. Mm-hmm. Um, so all of that. So we went from a market that had kind of tight supply. Atlanta was still relatively affordable to a market where demand just spiked. Uh, the, 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 the strength of demand in this cycle probably was on par or either exceeded 2008. And we know that because home prices in Atlanta went up 27% in, 20, in 2021, according to our numbers. Mm-hmm. That, you know, <laughs> in, in two years from 20, so I'll give you, just put in context, January 2020, I think the median price house in Atlanta was somewhere around 250 or 260. Mm. Uh, in January of, of uh, well, I wouldn't say January of this year, but the peak of the cycle, mm-hmm. I say the peak was June of mm-hmm. last year. Home prices in Atlanta were like, you know, 360. Mm-hmm. So you had a hundred thousand dollar increase on median in just two years. Home prices were up forty percent in two years in Atlanta, <laughs> and so um, that it was obviously unsustainable. Right. And so, as I mentioned, prices peaked in June. Um, the Federal Reserve, in response to uh, we would we can talk about inflation a little bit later, but inflation is sort of the elephant in the room in the mm-hmm. economy. And uh, the Federal Reserve's response, uh, the FOMC in spe- uh, specifically, the beginning of last year started aggressively raising interest rates to get inflation under control. And a sector like res- residential real estate that is very rate sensitive uh, obviously was impacted. And the net result of two years of unprecedented, unprecedented increases in home prices Plus now, un, uh, you know, unprecedented increases in interest rates led to a rapid, rapid decline and deterioration in housing affordability. Yeah. Not just here in Atlanta, but everywhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, and what we saw, Atlanta went from being one of the more affordable markets in the country, is why everyone wants to move here, to being very, very unaffordable, specifically for the people who make the median income in the region. And so... What's affordable for us is, you know, if you make the median income, you shouldn't spend more than 30% of your income on, on a house. That's principal interest, taxes, and insurance. In Atlanta today, um, the median income household, which is about just around $80,000, would have to spend somewhere around 42% of their income to afford a house. Yeah, 12% more, yeah. Right, right. Yeah. So it's unaffordable. Mm-hmm. And that's why demand is decline. We've seen a, a lot of indications in the Atlanta market that, of course, we're, we lag other places in the country. Mm-hmm. And so there, there's some parts of the market are still doing relatively fine. Um, but uh, demand has is, is dropped significantly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and um, as affordability continues to be a challenge going into this year, we can expect, you know, people to be a little bit hesitant to pull the trigger on, on buying a house. Yeah. Yeah. I could talk more, but let's just <laughs> stop it. No, that, I mean, that was a wonderful yeah. uh, synopsis because I think what you just said is what every Atlanta real estate agent or realtor has been feeling mm-hmm. for the last two years. I think we all knew to some degree it was unsustainable. Yeah. We didn't know for how long this was even going to go on. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think there's there's a misconception, at least, and I'll just give a quick perspective on what I've heard from hundreds of agents all around Atlanta was um, it's not a fun market to be in. Everyone thinks it's it's rainbows yeah. and unicorns. And, you know, there were a lot of people that lost out that couldn't afford yeah. affordable housing because uh, right. affordable was no longer affordable. But right. also 
um, to your point, a, a lot of higher, yeah, a lot of higher price market people coming in with cash and and plenty of it to spend above and beyond appraisals and yeah. buy for cash and everything else. But um, you know, sitting down to present thirty four offers to a seller <laughs> is yeah, is a very yeah, different yeah, animal yeah. than like two or three or maybe even one after the yeah. course of a week or two of yeah. being on the market. It's just bananas. And and you're right, the competition. Um, at the agent level, but also in the market because things were just so crazy for what felt like an extended amount of time. Yeah. But, uh, you know, to your point, there were a lot of leading indicators that kind of ramped us up to 2020, 2021 that, um, you know, we had no idea what it was going to turn into. But yeah. um, kind of looking a little further down the road now, and, and especially as it relates to affordability, because I live here in Sandy Springs, affordability is yeah. always at the top of the mayor's list, and everyone that wants to be in Sandy Springs are thinking about how do we create more, you know, more affordable housing and more affordable housing options. I know the city of Atlanta is looking at restructuring some ADUs and stuff like that. So give us, and again, we're not going to ever hold you to any of these numbers, but you know, just your perspective, your professional opinion of where do we head from here? Where do we go from here? Yeah. So, um, I mentioned demand, demand has declined because Mm -hmm. of the lack of affordability and people who could sell their house in New York, can't sell it or can't sell as much. So we have, you look at household formations in, in, in Atlanta, it's, you know, it's decline. Um, the percentage of people who think it's a good time to buy houses at historic lows. So we're, we're entering the peak selling season of this year. Um, probably at the, I guess it starts at the, uh, after Super Bowl Sundays, typically <laughs> when, when right. we start. So we'll know in a few weeks where, where the, where the buyers is, is, is um, what the buyer's thinking about the market, but going into it, we know that we're in a, in a, in a um, very, uh, the buyers today are very hesitant. Sellers are also very hesitant to put their house on the market because they're not getting the, the, the prices that they, um, that, that their neighbors may have gotten mm-hmm. a, a few months ago. Um, uh, and even though interest rates have started to come down a little bit uh, and, and, Home prices have started started to come down. Affordability still is, is relatively low, and so I think going into this year, um, um, there there are a lot of uh, uh, negative headwinds facing the housing market. Mm-hmm. Um, the Fed is uh, um, so the FOMC is is meeting in in, a, in a next uh, in not next week but the week after. Mm-hmm. To decide uh, the, the you know the direction of monetary policy at the beginning of the year, um, they've already communicated that uh, their target inflation rate is two percent. Um, um, it's not likely that we'll get to two percent this year, right. um, and they know that. But you know they have uh, communicated uh, that um, they're going to aggressive be aggressive about getting inflation under control, mm-hmm. and that means tighter monetary policy. Unless something happens in the economy, you always have to give this caveat. And sure, sure. The, the Chairman Powell does it all the time. But you know, we are watching what happens um, in the economy and the numbers, and we can we they have the right to change course, mm-hmm. you know, if if need be. But right now, what we know, kind of the rooms that I sit in, um, and here's some of the uh, you know we talk to a lot of um, so it's not so demystify the Fed for a little for a second. <laughs> so. We're we're not just looking at numbers and and stats and and uh, and kind of drawing our conclusion about um, um, not only monetary policy but 
um, supervision. You know, we are talking to people. Um, you know, we have uh, we spend a lot of time out in the field uh, having conversations with people, understanding what's going on mm -hmm. in their particular market, um, and and we're getting that information real time, and that's informing our our president, President Bostic, on on his thoughts on monetary policy, and that happens around the country in every Fed district. And so, um, you know, I always say that there is, you know, there are very few institutions that are um, as informed about the economy mm -hmm. than um, the than the Federal Reserve. And that doesn't mean we always get it right. right. We still get it wrong. Right. Um, but, yeah. I mean, we at least is an informed wrong decision, I guess, <laughs> uh, um, as formed as it can be. And, and so I do think that so all of, all, all of that means that, you know, interest rates are, are going to be very volatile this year. It's likely that the Fed is going to continue to, to raise rates. And so um, I'm not predicting that, but I'm just based on what we know now and based on what the FOMC has, has communicated you know, there is, you know, the likelihood for us to continue to tighten monetary policy, even as inflation is starting to trend downward, you know. And so it's, it's, a, it's a very, uh, there's a lot of calibration that goes into, like, when sure. do you stop and how many, how, what percentage, uh, how many basis points you raise. And so, you know, people well above my pay grade <laughs> are, are in a room making those kind of decisions. Mm -hmm. So I do think the housing market moving into this year is is going to be very challenged. I know that home builders are, um, are uh, I just did a, an event earlier this week, and, you know, one of the things that they're seeing is an, a, a pretty sharp increase in cancellations. Mm. You know, so they, they have a lot of inventory in the pipeline, and once once those homes are delivered, a lot of times people can no longer afford it, mm -hmm. or interest rates have changed, or sure. or they've decided that they don't want to buy it anymore, so they're left with this inventory. And we one thing we didn't mention, Atlanta has had a, a, a significant surge of people, uh, of investors coming into our market and buying real estate, and so builders have, in a sense, been able to offload some of that access inventory to investors, um, and. Uh, Investors have, I think, the, the last number I looked is somewhere around 30% of sales in the region were to investors, and that includes institution and mom mm -hmm. and pop folk right, right. as well. Um, that's a significant amount of activity. It sure is. And, um, and even they're pulling back because they see sort of what's, what's happening in the market. No one wants to buy when, when prices are, are, are trending down. So um, I guess the last thing I'll say, because um, uh, I could... Again, we could talk all day. Um, as I mentioned, prices peaked in in June of last year. The last number that I've seen, home prices are already down about seven percent in Atlanta from the peak. And so, um, and I think that we're sort of at the beginning of of the decline mm -hmm. in 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 values. And so, the thing that I'm most concerned about is where where we'll land in terms of. Um, Home price, home, home, uh, the the contraction in, in home values. Sure. And so there's some people I've heard. You know, estimates range anywhere from ten percent all the way to twenty percent. It seems likely that home prices, we're already at seven 
mm-hmm. now. So it's likely that you know we're ten percent is you know reasonable. Sure. To think, just remember we had forty percent increase well, in two gonna, years. Yeah, so. in the context, just like uh, the yeah, interest rates, right? Yeah, like, right. I mean, I asked a broker uh, a couple of weeks ago that was in here recording a podcast with us. Uh, that have been in Atlanta real estate for 40-something years. When was the last time you saw 2.65 or two? <laughs> Never. Never, never. <laughs> and more importantly, do you ever think we'll see it again? Absolutely no. not. <laughs> <laughs> no. So I think, you know, and this is what we try to do on a daily basis with our clients, and this is kind of the the next gear I want to shift into, consumer-facing, right? Yeah. We as realtors are constantly trying to stay on top of the market, What's happening because we're educating buyers and sellers on the movement and what's happening and stuff and and certainly to your point certain areas are experiencing a little more stability than others Um, certainly there's more volatility in in some other areas but generally speaking seven percent in the context of almost 40 is this is not high it's okay right it's It's not the the sky is falling necessarily but but along those same lines and again for transparency and honesties uh, sake at least, um, you know, looking forward for consumers, I think a lot of people have looked at Atlanta and, you know, I was, I'm born and raised here. So during the Olympics, a lot of people came to Atlanta, Mm -hmm. they fell in love with the city. They loved, you know, the proximity to, uh, the, the coast and to the mountains and being able to ski and go to the beach the next weekend, Mm -hmm. you know, and, uh, we saw a lot of people stay after that Mm -hmm. and internationally as well, not just from, you know, other places around the country. So, uh, now, a lot more people have moved here from other areas that seem to be staying for the most part. And, of course, you just mentioned investors as well. Um, kind of looking down the road for consumers, because, again, all you guys can do is make predictable and uh, estimated guesses yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> at what's going to happen. But in terms of just the investment side specifically, because I try to get my buyers and sellers to think like investors. Mm-hmm. I think when you think about it that way, you think very differently than this is the family, uh, this is the home that I'm going to raise my family in and we're going to you know, send our kids off to college and so on yeah. and so forth or the school or whatever. I try to get them to look at it as a, just a money decision, even if it's just for a moment. Um, but we've heard a lot of news around, uh, especially at the no- National Association of Realtors, that Atlanta's like the number one market to watch this year. <laughs> yeah. And we think that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, there's a lot of, like you said, caveats that come along with it. From the consumer side of things, is there anything fundamentally, I mean, I know business is still moving here and the economy as a whole is um, you know, being stimulated various ways between uh, electric cars and batteries. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there's a lot of moving parts that we look at Georgia's economy as a whole. But anything specific to real estate that you think consumers should know about? Um, specific to Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And real estate in particular or, or anything, honestly. Yeah, I mean, I so I read the article from the National Realtors Association and I thought um, the point that they were trying to make is just Fundamentally, Atlanta has some competitive competitive advantages that mm-hmm. other regions don't have. It's still a, an attractive place for for people um, and companies to move sure. um, because of its affordability, proximity to the airport, and transportation uh, uh, um, uh, centers. And so, I, I I think Atlanta, just from an investment standpoint, has a uh, still has some pretty strong fundamentals that make it an attractive place, not only to live, but also um, um, for uh, long-term investments. You know, if you're, if you're depending on where you buy, I mean, real estate is always so locally dependent, but, sure. you know, if it's, 
you know, close to, you know, transportation and employment centers where new developments are, are going in. I, I personally live near uh, near the Beltline mm-hmm. in Atlanta, so I'm seeing all kinds of development happening, and that's always a positive thing. Sure. You know, you see the cranes going up and you see things being developed. You, you always think from an investment standpoint, um, you want to be in a place that's growing and not necessarily a place that's declining. Mm-hmm. And Atlanta certainly is not a place declining at this yeah. point. I love that. Awesome. So kind of getting back to the affordability thing, because again, I, I feel like all over North Metro Atlanta, especially in the area where I work and live and play, there's a lot of cities and counties and municipalities that are looking at affordability. Um, they're trying to figure out how to make it more attractive for multifamily, for single family homes, townhomes, you know, a mix of, of categories, right? Because yeah. we've seen, at least here in Sandy Springs, people come and they live in an apartment as they relocate for a job and then they end up falling in love with the city and then they stay here and then they want to buy here. Mm-hmm. Um, but from a from a metro hole, I guess, um, what do you think we can do as far as affordability goes? Or, I mean, how do we kind of reimagine? Because Atlanta is what it is, but it can also become something different, um, especially right. as it relates to affordability. Yeah, so there, there are a lot of strategies that are being explored in um, uh, uh and, and a lot of people looking at ways to sort of build more more affordable housing. And so I, um, I, you know, I think it's all interesting. I think it's really difficult, though, because the amount of affordable housing we can build through all of these kind of subsidy kind of programs is never equal to the volume of need that mm-hmm. we have for affordable housing. And I'm not just talking about low to moderate income housing. I'm just saying... Like for the median income household, like today cannot afford the median price house in Atlanta. Right. So what do you build? So uh, some of the solutions that are out there in terms on the construction side is we're trying to find ways to build cheaper. We're trying to find ways to build greater density. Um, uh, there, you had mentioned kind of the uh, uh, the city of Atlanta exploring um, changing their policy re- relative to ADUs. Um, one thing that I I am starting to notice is sort of innovations on sort of the transaction side mm. that I think are, are interesting. So there are a couple companies that have um, created what is a um, what's being called power power buying option. And so what happened during the pandemic um, and sort of continuing now, there's just a flood of investors buying. Uh, um, uh, more affordable product to use as as single family rentals, and they pay cash. And so, if you're a first time buyer, mm. and you need down payment assistance or whatever, you're not going to be able to compete with a with a um, someone who's paying cash. <laughs> right. And so, there are a couple companies. I think Ribbon is is a good example. I mean, very they still have a very small market share, uh, but they essentially what they do is they buy the house. Um, for the buyer and until they get their finances in in order and then they buy it back the the buyer buys it back from ribbon and so that allows the buyer to compete as a as a cash buyer in, in a sense in the market um, there are other options uh, that I've heard um, that allows investors to participate in the home buying process as sort of an equity buyer mm-hmm. and so there's a company called home LLC that home dot LLC that um, that essentially helps a buyer get to that twenty percent down payment by offering sort of a fifteen percent equity investment in the house that you have to sort of 
pay off yeah. in, in about 10 years. But that, you know, if you, the difference between, you know, 5% down and 20% down in terms of affordability is huge. Yeah. It means you don't have to pay PMI. It means you have, you know, probably a lower interest rate. You know, your your mortgage payment is going to be, you know, several hundred dollars lower if you're able to get to that 20%. But one of the biggest barriers now is people can't, you know, come up with a down payment to buy the house. And that's why a lot of people are renting today. Yeah. And so I think whether or not those are long-term solutions, whether they have any kind of um, market penetration, I don't know. But I think the real estate market is primed for innovation. Mm. And the idea that uh, people are... Um, going to be able to buy a house and pay, you know, have 100% ownership of it, just the model that we're used to, I mean, I think it's great. This Housing is still where most households in America uh, store wealth and gain wealth and sort of increase their wealth long term. Um, but how do we do that? How do we innovate that in a way that it allows more people to be able to, to sh have some share of ownership in, in, in real estate? Um, given the fact that, you know, it's far more expensive. I remember when I first came to Atlanta, the majority of new home construction in Atlanta was less than $250,000. I mean, you could get a starter home for, you know, $150,000, $170,000 and a decent house, a detached house. Um, you know, you can't build a new house in Atlanta for less than $300,000. I mean, you could, it'd be very difficult and sure. you probably wouldn't make a profit. <laughs> this is why builders don't do it. So it's right. very difficult to yeah. do that. And so yeah. and so I know it's, it's, a, it's a lot, this is drive, but we need to build more affordable housing, but it's hard. Yeah. It's not that builders don't want to do it. If, there was, if they could afford to do it and they could sell it and make a profit, they would do it. They mm -hmm. just can't. Yeah. And so, and there's a, on the regulatory side, there's a lot of, things that make it difficult for them to do that as well. That's, according to them, that's what I heard, you know, uh, uh, two days ago when right. I went to the Home Builders Association. But yeah, so there's a lot, it's a, it's a lot of challenges to deliver affordable product, to build it um, and to keep it affordable given that demand is always exceeding supply. And so I think, you know, more broadly, we have to think about how to innovate what we do and how that would change how we buy houses long-term. Th those are kind of things that I'm thinking about. Mm -hmm. I don't have an answer, but sure, I'm, sure. I, I'm seeing people get very creative mm -hmm. and um, create some innovative solutions. And I think um, we should be open to explore that. Yeah, well, and, and like you said earlier, right? We don't know where the ball is headed. We're all guessing and we're all predicting and we're all evaluating what's happened in the past using those, um, as you mentioned earlier, the lagging indicators to prior cycles and going, okay, is this going to be the same thing? Is it going to look different? And, um, and I think you're right. I think that, you know, until that 42% becomes 35 yeah. and eventually 32 and maybe even down as low as 25, yeah. do we really then begin to go, okay. And, and as values and prices maybe start to plateau or even decline, uh, you know, in the next year or two, if that's actually what happens, then we will see a change. Right. But there has to be like, pretty massive uh, change across the entire market. We aren't talking about a little bit over here yeah, and a yeah, little bit yeah, over there. Yeah. It has to fundamentally change yeah. for an extended amount of time. Yeah, and I wouldn't assume that, uh, you know, that affordability would go back down. I mean, right. you got to think New York or San Francisco, these markets are always unaffordable. Mm. And they're and it's it's never going to get to a point where incomes will catch up with, with the, the price to own a house. And so... 
you know, I would hope that there's going to be pressure for affordability to decline. And right now, the only place that you can you can sort of gain some measure of affordability is to take out the price of the house mm-hmm. or to, uh, to, to subtract from the price of the house because interest rates are going to be relatively high. We're not seeing any upward uh, increase in, in income so people can afford more. And so really right now, at least in the next year, we're going to have to see some downward pressure on price in order to create affordability. Yeah. But, you know, as you know, inventory is also low. So mm-hmm. when inventory is low, even if you see demand go down, it's it's hard for you to see <laughs> prices to, you know, get to a point where, uh, it, you know, where housing is affordable overall. So yeah. who knows? We may be in a situation where, you know, it, you know, we never get to 30 percent of income as as a share. Um, and that means we have to really think creatively if we're going to get more people to buy a house. Yeah. Well, and I know one thing we've talked about in the past around the association here is, um, you know, sustainability and affordability. Most people don't think those two things go hand in hand, but it is actually proven that when you build with green materials and you use more efficient um, materials in general, that even in a tiny home or an ADU or even a, you know, 1500 square foot single family home, it can actually be more efficient, therefore saving you more maybe on utilities and, and construction costs and everything else that removes seven, eight, nine thousand $9,000 from the initial cost anyway, which is nothing on $300,000. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but as it relates to like ADUs and stuff that, um, you know, require a smaller footprint and also fill maybe a different need. We're not just strictly talking about short-term rentals here. We're talking about something that, you know, you could have uh, uh, an older grandparent or yeah, yeah. parent live in or uh, an au pair. Or, you know, there's a lot of different uses for these, obviously. But I know a lot of people don't think about sustainability uh, in conjunction with affordability. But I know there are a lot of innovative companies that are starting to come to the yeah. market with with some of that stuff that makes it a little more affordable but of course then we're talking about land and yeah <laughs> availability of it and everything else yeah so. it, it's a it is a challenge it and is. um i am i'm hopeful that you know people that are thinking creatively um will come up with solutions that's the sort of the american way to sort right. of innovate when when we face these challenges um but you know i do think that the, you know the balance of my optimism is you know i do think about there are plenty of places in the country where it's just pe- there's just more renters because mm-hmm. people can't afford to buy. Yeah. Or you think about um, you know home ownership in America has always been sort of higher than in other countries, but it doesn't mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that it always has to be. Right. Which I think is is will be somewhat tragic because that's how people gain wealth, mm-hmm. and so we want to be able to to make that uh, opportunity available to people, but we're gonna have to be creative about yeah. making it happen. Well, I think. To kind of continue that same thing, we're a, we're a smart group of people in this country that will we figured out much bigger problems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> in the past, and I think we can figure this one out as well. But Dominic, I really appreciate your time. Is there any other resource or website or tool that you would recommend people that are kind of craving a little more information, whether it's affordability, the market, the Fed, all of this um, in general? Yeah, we have a pretty um, robust. Um, uh, uh, robust sources of information on, on our public website, theatlantafed.org. You can find the Homeownership Affordability Monitor. That's a tool that we create out of the Atlanta Fed, and it's publicly available on our website. It has most markets in the country. You can drill down to the county level and look at oh, look wow. at affordability trends. Um, and uh, there are several other tools about the broader economy. We have 
you know, several articles that we write, you know, um, that, that we publish around not just housing, but banking and the economy. And if you do commercial real estate, we have tools available for you as well. So very good. I encourage you to check it out. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate you joining us, right. bringing your expertise and, and this subject to us. Because I think, again, uh, you know, we hear a lot about headlines and attention grabbing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's nice to sit down with someone that's even keeled and, and is optimistic, but yeah. also realizes the potential strategy that, that kind of comes along with this. Um, I think it's very refreshing. So really, really appreciate your time today. All right. Thank you. Absolutely. And thank you all for listening to the Atlanta Realtors Rundown. We really appreciate you being here and uh, subscribing to the podcast, but also leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you um, what you enjoyed about today's episode or any other episode that you've listened to. We'd really appreciate that. And we hope you have a great rest of your day. We'll see you on the next one. Thank you for tuning in to the Atlanta Realtors Rundown. Please subscribe. And for more information on how to get engaged, check us out at atlantarealtors.com. We look forward to having you join us for the next episode.